Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. The principle is this. Uh, in Christ, you have a new relationship with God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. A new relationship with yourself. We talked about that. And today we're talking about a new relationship with others. A friend of mine named Dick Foth said, there are two constants in life, money and relationships. One of them will make you rich. And so my prayer with a short message like this is to give us a a fresh vision for being rich in relationships and for having the kinds of relationships that Jesus calls us to have in this newness of life, transforming how we actually relate to each other. I don't know if you guys are like me, but relationships are both amazing and like the hardest thing in life. Anybody? Um, Look at the person next to you if you're having a hard time. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have a little brother named Josh. He is also a pastor he, of a church in Pennsylvania. And I have a little sister named Heather. My brother's two years younger than me. My sister's four years younger than me. She's a worship leader and a teacher. And amazingly, we did not always get along when we were kids. How many here don't always get along with their siblings? And I'm asking the adults too. <laughs> it can be challenging. Well, I remember my little brother when we were pretty little He got so mad at me once that he chased me with a rocking chair. He picked it up. It was one of those kind of like mini rocking chairs, but it was heavy wood. And he, I'm way faster than him, so he could not catch me. You like how I threw that in there? And he threw it at me, and it hit the VCR and broke it. Now, you kids don't know what VCRs are. You guys know what a VCR is? He broke the VCR. Another time, we had these golden knives. The kids are okay. We had these golden knives that my dad got us from France because he was a Navy chaplain. He had traveled over there. Now, they were not sharp, but they were still knives. And my brother got angry at me another time of no fault of my own. I don't know what was wrong with him. He got so angry at me. He chased me. I might be me. I shouldn't say this here. This was not a real knife, but he threw it at me. I dodged him with my ninja skills, and he could not catch me. Another time, he grabbed a broom and charged me like it was a spear. He wanted to impale me of no fault of my own. He was just filled with rage as a young man. He might be watching this. I love you, Josh. And my dad had to grab it and stop him from killing me. Now, here's the reason I share all that. We fought sometimes. My brother is a troubled man. He needs help. I'm just kidding. He's a wonderful pastor, a great man of God, great dad, great husband. But once we hit about... 15, 17, or 16, 14, we both started following Jesus, and we both experienced real transformation in our lives. And we, I'm not joking, I'm not saying you'll never fight if you follow Jesus, but we've never fought again. We've, we've never had a disagreement. We have had so much harmony in our relationship as adult men. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, there might be people that you fight a lot with. There might be people who have tried to impale you with broomsticks that God wants to give you a vision for an entirely new relationship with. And I'm not joking. You're probably thinking of some people right now, but I'm gonna take us quickly through 12, what the scripture calls one another's. There are actually over 50 of these one another's in scripture, meaning things that God commands us, ways that he commands us to treat one another. And the foundational principle is this. It's number one in your notes, and it'll be on screen. We'll move quickly through these, don't worry. Every person is made in the image of God, Therefore, every interaction you have with others is a holy moment. Now, whoever you're interacting with, they might not know God yet, but they're still made in his image. 
They might not reflect God at all. In fact, they might not be very kind, but they're still made in his image. And God cares about how we, as Christians, relate to them as far as it depends on us. And the next two we're gonna look at, scripture says, sum up the whole law and the prophets, which is just a remarkable statement. And we're gonna look at a little bit of what that means. But number two in your notes is love one another. And look at this text out of Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Powerful words. Now, I wanna give you a caution. We throw around the word love so regularly in our lives and in our culture that we really kind of miss the meaning sometimes. Uh, Love doesn't mean we approve of everything going on in their life, but it does mean we care about their well-being. Love doesn't mean we accept everything they do or we say it's okay, but it means we want them to know Jesus and walk in the blessing of God. And sometimes uh, men, and this can be true of women too, but let me just talk about men for a second. Men can sometimes think it's not very manly to love. It's not very manly to learn how to show compassion and love in the way of Jesus. Well, I just had a chance to be with some pastors over in Tulsa, um, and I've never been a hunter. I never thought I would go hunting, but I got invited on this mentorship trip, and it involved hunting, so I went. And there's some very manly guys. Most of them were lifelong hunters. I felt like I was in the home of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. You guys remember that? I'm like, wow, there's so many dead animals in here. And it's like not what I was raised in. It's not what I've ever been used to. Um, But I went, I did kill a buck, by the way. It was the fifth rifle, rifle shot I've ever shot in my life. And I feel like I'm a man now. I've arrived. Can I just say that? But the reason I share the story is um, these guys were there to better learn how to love. And I believe demonstrating what true godly manhood is. You don't have to be a deer shooter to be a man. That was a total joke. But you have to be someone who learns to love and learns to live out all of these one another's. It leads to the scripture picture we just looked at, number three. If you love people, you will do to others what you would have them do to you. That's known as the golden rule. And let me just encourage you. It's not just a saying on like a piece of art from Target, right? It's the words of Jesus. It's a command from God, Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Think about that statement. Jesus is saying that the summation of all of scripture, the summation of what we have in the entire Old Testament, all the law and every prophecy from the prophets is summed up in doing to others what you would have them do to you. And like the previous verse says, in loving your neighbor as you love yourself. I think this is so radical and it can help us so much. Just think for a moment of any relational challenge you're in. Someone you might be frustrated with, someone who's frustrated with you, someone that you are unsure how to proceed with. Just get it to the top of your mind. The answer to that is the golden rule. Do to them what you would have them do to you. It doesn't mean everything is gonna be magically and okay in that relationship, but it means God wants to deal with what's in you so that that is how you treat them. So as far as it depends on you, that will be the tone of the relationship. And it leads to another very counterintuitive thing, and it's number four, prefer one another. You guys know how hard it is to really learn to prefer 
one another? How many of you guys are really good at preferring yourself? Like a professional. I'm the only one? Thank you. Some honesty. How many have ever really tried to actually prefer someone else, especially when it doesn't benefit you in some way? It is challenging. Yet, we learn from Scripture that part of the new heart that we have in Christ and part of the new relationships that we enter into are supposed to make us so secure, so settled in our identity that we are free to prefer others. We're so safe in our abundance in the Lord. We're so at rest and so at peace that we are no longer competing with anyone but preferring them, letting them go ahead of us. No spirit of fear. One of the questions I ask myself a lot to help me relationally is, how would I respond if I was completely secure? And it's almost always different. We so often respond out of our insecurity. Well, you really can't prefer one another until you work on that security. Romans 12.10 articulates it for us. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then we see it so plainly in Philippians 2. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And as we prefer them, one of the things we'll notice is that people in life struggle. Everyone has a story. And when almost across the board, when you learn their story, you will have some compassion for them. And it leads to number five, which is carry one another's burdens. It says it in Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Notice how many of these one another's are attached to the promise of fulfilling the law of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Carry each other's burdens, and by doing that, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I get to do this a lot as a pastor, so I have more time to devote to this than probably you can. But let me tell you, you are called to so be in people's lives that you help carry their burdens. Don't enable them for the rest of their life. That's not what we mean. It doesn't mean take over their life for them, but it means when their life is burdened down and heavy, you help them. You walk with friends when they're down and out. You walk with enemies when they're down and out. You pay attention to what's going on in their life. And amazingly, it comes back on us and teaches us about the purpose of life, which is others-focused. Teaches us about real meaning, real fulfillment. And then on top of carrying their burdens... Learn to do this, encourage one another. Number six, it says it in 1 Thessalonians, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now, look at me for a second. Kids, look at me for a second. Qu quickly tell me who your favorite superhero is. Anybody? What? Flash, okay, who? Just say it out loud. Spider-Man, Batman, the girl Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Anybody else? Adults, give me your favorite superheroes. I'm just curious. Iron Man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man is really winning. Okay. Okay, that's enough. Shh. Imagine with me for a second. If you had the ability, like a superhero power, to actually give other people courage, meaning if anyone was ever feeling kind of weak or discouraged, if anyone was ever struggling, if anyone was ever afraid, imagine if you had the power... Imagine if you were like a superhero that was able to just look at someone and say, I give you courage. I give you courage. You're struggling right now? No more. I give you courage. Well, let me just tell you, I believe that with the power of our tongue, the power of our voice, 
And in how we relate to people, we are all meant to be like superhero encouragers. And everyone needs encouragement. You don't realize how much you can encourage people. You're just not good at it. I don't mean to say that like I'm talking to you personally. Most of us are not very good at it, but everyone needs it. I'm telling you, every day, if you gain a vision for being like a superhero encourager, you will change people's lives constantly. We need encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. Let's encourage one another. This is a command from God. And it leads to number seven, speak the truth to one another. Ephesians says, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. Truth builds up. Truth in a relationship is always our friend. It's always a good thing. And when we start denying truth and operating off false pretenses, or even when we start being dishonest with people that maybe we're upset with, I can't tell you how many people I've been counseling and they say, this person has been driving me crazy for five years. They won't stop doing this. I can't even stand it anymore. And eventually I'll say, well, have you ever tried to talk to them about it? And they're like, no, but they should know. It's insane. And a lot of us live like that. So, so it's actually part of these one another's to speak the truth to each other. So, so if you're upset with somebody, talk to them about it. If you've got a problem, if someone's hurt your feelings, if someone keeps doing something that's driving you crazy, I'm telling you, like suck it up and just have a conversation. It'll strengthen that relationship. It's part of how the kingdom of God is meant to function. Do it with love. And it leads to number eight. And this is one of my favorite ones because I'm a musician. Live in harmony with each other. The scripture says it in Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. If you think about a piano, I'm gonna walk over here to our baby Grant. We are all like separate notes on a piano. We're all different. Some of us might be a D, Some of us might be an F sharp. Some of us might be an A. Some of us might be a lower A, a lower A, a lower A. There's 12 different notes on here. They're all very different. There are so many different octaves. And we are not meant to just be individual notes. We are meant to come together with people. And when multiple notes are played at one time, it causes harmony, which then creates chords like that. That's a D chord, and it's a D, an F sharp, and an A. And watch how beautiful it is. I'm just going to play those notes over and over, and then I'm going to add a different note, which is an E, which is part of a D chord if you you add the E in it, and it's beautiful. Watch how the harmony changes, and it's the beauty of when we learn to accept differences and perspectives and, and walk in harmony with each other. Here we go. Here's another one. Harmony, and that's how our lives are meant to be. And by ourselves, we're lone, boring notes. But God has called us to, that's why the body of Christ is such a beautiful thing and why these one another's, I believe, are so important to the heart of God. And this next one is a challenging one, but we can't live in harmony with each other until we learn to, number nine, forgive one another. Colossians 3.13 says it this way, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There it is. There's other parts of scripture that talk about how we actually have to forgive in order to be forgiven. This is something that matters deeply to the heart of God. And I, I, I think there's distinction between bearing with each other and forgiving each other. So, 
So I would encourage you to become the kind of person that just learns to bear with each other, meaning people have weaknesses, people have flaws, people don't get everything right. And when you become a secure person that can have the posture of compassion, someone might do something that kind of rubs you the wrong way, but you can bear with them and you can just kind of like let it go, let it drop off your shoulder. It never gets to even the point of forgiveness. You're just bearing with them. Like, like marriage, you have to bear with each other. Anybody? Oh, yeah, anybody with me? You have to forgive each other too. Sometimes you, sometimes you really hurt each other and you have to forgive each other, but you have to do a lot of bearing with one another. Anybody with me, married couples? Like you could call marriage bearing with one another. Let's make that the new book. It doesn't sound like a great compelling vision necessarily, but it's pretty true. Bear with one another. It's actually a tremendous gift when you realize that is part of life. It doesn't mean your relationship is messed up. It just means God wants you to learn about that. You guys tracking with me? It actually should be hopeful. And it leads to 10, be kind to one another. Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Again, talking about forgiveness, but, but kindness will be something that we can express once we have forgiven, once we have a vision for harmony. And let me ask you kids, what are some ways that you can be kind to other kids at school? Give me some answers. Just say it out. Including them in, that's great. So good. Give, give, give up your spot on the swing. Tell them nice words. I love it. Anybody else? Be respectful. Those are so good. Those things actually matter to God. He commands us to be kind to one another. How many of you guys, let me, let me bring it home a little bit even deeper. What are some kind things you can do towards your sibling for those of you guys that have brothers and sisters? Not be mean. Very good. Don't hit. Yes. <laughs> Share. Very good. Don't hurt them. Very good. Adults in the room, what are some ways we can be kind to our spouses? Huh? Compliment. Nice. Why do the kids have more answers than my adults? Where are you at? Thank you, honey. Yes. Serve them by doing... Was that you trying to get me to do that? Nice. She spoke that prophetically like she tried to move me. It leads to number 11. This is kind of a two for one, and this one's a little bit different. Um, this can change your entire life, these two things right here, and it's a command from God. Confess to one another and pray with one another. Look at what James five sixteen says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Sometimes we think God is not showing up and helping us with what we're struggling with, but we've never confessed it. Anybody with me? We've never told anyone. It's like, yes, the enemy wants to get you stuck in sin, but sometimes even more than that, he wants to get you stuck in isolation. He wants to get you hiding and, and, and making everything a secret and doing the opposite of confessing. He, 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 God brings us out into the glorious light, the scripture talks about. And, and in Christ, there is no condemnation. We, you could confess anything to me. I could confess anything to you. And don't get me wrong. There's very real consequences, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We need to be a place that is free for confession so that we may be healed. Come on. How many of you guys want to be healed? Anybody want to be healed? Confess your sin. Find a safe person to confess your sin to. And then it tells you right there, pray with one another. Jessica does this with me. Um, sometimes if we're in a tense moment, she'll usually be the one because she's holier than me to say, can I pray? 
And you know, in those moments, you're like, no, <laughs> I do not want to pray right now. <laughs> I've got plenty of those moments, even though I'm a pastor. And she will often just be like, let me just pray. And early in our marriage, it was probably first six months. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we were dealing with something that was frustrating. And she said, I'm just going to pray with you, even though I was like resistant. And as she prayed for me, I had this vision of myself uh, that I think was from God, where I was basically like this thing that had all these really sharp edges. And these sharp edges were going out of me, corners and points. And of course, they would hurt other people because I'm, I'm sharp. But, but God was teaching me that he, he uses us in each other's lives, not just her towards me, but me towards her, to, to soften us. To, and the word for that is to sanctify us, to help us actually grow into the likeness of Jesus. So, so you're in good company. We're all together in all the sharp edges, but we're not meant to stay there, right? We're meant to be, be, be shaped, to be, you know, I, that's why scripture says iron. Well, that says sharpens iron. That's the wrong scripture for the story. So the, God actually changes us into the likeness of Christ. It's okay if we're not there yet, but it comes through confession and prayer so that we may be healed. So I just want to encourage you to be honest with yourself. If you feel like you're not healed, and you're upset at someone else for it, or you're upset at God for it, I want to encourage you, have you practice confession and prayer? And it's not just once, make it a part of your life. And at least to the final point, and we're going to close after this, build up one another. The same scripture that we read before, encourage one another and build each other up. No one is, has so perfectly arrived that they don't need anyone to build them up. Did you realize that? Pastor Willie Tatum, I don't mean to call you out, and Miss Donna Tatum. Can you guys wave your hands so people know who I'm talking about? Married how many years? <laughs> that was awesome. Um, what's the number? <laughs> 64. That reminded me of at my brother's wedding, um, my grandma and grandpa were there, and they played that game with at the reception of which couple's been married the longest. And so they were, the, my grandma and grandpa were the final ones standing. And then, you know, hundreds of people there, they brought the mic over to my grandpa and said, all right, you guys have been married longer than anyone else here. What are your words of wisdom for the newly wed couple? And they put the mic in my grandpa's face and he said, stay single. <laughs> Sat down. <laughs> Here's why I mention this about Pastor Willie and Donna, a life of faithfulness, serving countless people in their lives, pouring into others. Um, but I would bet, and I'll just put you on the spot, I bet you still, it still makes a difference in your life when someone builds you up. Am I right in saying that? We just don't get to a point where we just don't need anyone building us up. So I just, it's like the superpower of encouraging I want to give you a vision. I want, I want to challenge you to pray about building others up. And then I want to push you away from the thought of ever tearing someone down. As a follower of Christ, we never tear people down. We just don't do it. Are you guys with me on that? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to spend a moment in prayer. And then we're going to just close with two special things. You guys can come on up. If you could close your eyes with me, church, bow your hearts. Think for a moment about your calendar this week. Today is Sunday. It's the first day of the week, technically. We start in the house of God, setting the trajectory for our week. We go into Monday, Tuesday. Just get in your mind the people you're gonna be around and just ask, ask the Lord, hey, 
God, speak to me about how you've called me to relate. Maybe he wants you to have a whole new initiative to how you serve and love your kids or your spouse or a parent or a sibling. Maybe you're the oldest in your family, the oldest sibling. And God's like, hey, I want you to lead. I want you to, I want you to go first. And whatever these things are, maybe God's calling you to prefer someone else and he's giving you a practical step to take. Maybe there's someone's burdens that you're really, you're really meant to carry. Maybe there's something you know you need to confess. You know it. And this is gonna be the week for you to do that. You could even do it this morning and find someone to, to confess to and pray with. But let's all go out encouraging and building up. And, and let, me, let me say this, get these people in your mind. And right now I challenge you to see them through the eyes of heaven. So, so don't see them through your own eyes, your own circumstance. Ask God, give me a glimpse of your heart for them. If you're married, say, God, give me a greater glimpse of your heart for my spouse. Say, give me a greater glimpse of your heart for my parents, my siblings, my coworkers, my employees, my boss. Give me a greater glimpse of your heart for my children, God. Teach me how to walk in this newness of life and how I relate to everyone as far as it depends on me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna invite Jessica to come over for a moment. Last Sunday, I got to honor our other pastors and ministers. Some of them are actually out of town today. But Jessica, my wife here, is our kids minister. And doesn't she do an awesome job? Come on. Some of the people that have been on our team here tell me all the time, Nathan, you're pretty good, but Jessica is the secret weapon to your whole life. <laughs> and to Graceland Church. She does a phenomenal job. Thank you for serving so well loving these kids. We thought it'd be cool to do it when some of the elementary kids were in here. Um, can you stand with me around the room? Let's pray for her. We have a little gift for her that we gave to uh, the rest of the team last week. Lord, we give you thanks for Jessica. I thank you personally for my bride. And we thank you. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, that you have called her uh, to invest her life into these young students. And we thank you that your joy uh, fills her cup your spirit, your truth, God, your great salvation. It so fills her cup, like we talked about in that brown bag sermon, that her life just overflows blessing on all these young ones. And we just pray that you'll continue to anoint her and equip her for the task at hand. And we pray that she will know she is so loved and we are so grateful for how she serves truly tirelessly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give her a big hand, guys. With this different service order, we're doing our offering at the end. So just stay standing for a moment. Let me have the ushers come up. I've had a lot of testimonies. I taught on giving a couple weeks ago and I've had a lot of testimonies of people stepping into obedience with the Lord regarding their finances, just because we've been talking about it. And it's been so beautiful. People walking in peace, people walking in freedom, people walking in unexpected blessing as they just trust God. I encourage you, if you haven't yet, continue to lean into that and ask him to guide your steps. Let me pray this benediction will be dismissed. May God rejoice over you with his gladness. May Christ Jesus renew you in his love and may the Holy Spirit give you peace beyond understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.